Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of Percy Jackson. In this episode we're going to read chapters 48 to 49 and in the previous episode we read chapters 46 to 47 and well the trio was able to defeat Alcyonius. See in the uh, we learn in the previous chapters that Alaska is the land beyond the gods which means the gods can't really help anybody that goes to Alaska. So they come up with the idea of, um, well, first, Percy is left all by himself to fight the skeleton army, while Frank is using his tinder to burn the chains of Thanatos. And we initially assume that the tinder will burn all, all of the tinder will burn and eventually Frank will perish. But... Luckily, the tinder does not burn all the way through, so Frank still has a tiny piece left, and that is the thing that is saving his life right now. And once Thanatos' chains are freed, and Alcyonius is, um, well, Alcyonius uh, will be discussed later, but at the moment, Thanatos, um, once he is freed, Hazel is awaited the answer that probably determines her entire life and if it's that if thanatos will take her back to the underworld and apparently um it seems nico may have done a job well uh, uh, well done because he has maybe convinced hades or in this case pluto to convince hazel to stay in the mortal world to remain mortal because thanatos apparently takes orders from Pluto, and it seems that she wasn't on the list of um, uh, escaped souls. So uh, Hazel is set free. Then Frank is um, also set free. Uh, doesn't have to worry about you know him dying because he was trying to save Thanatos. Hazel doesn't have to be worried about being reclaimed. Um, but unfortunately, Percy does fall into the water with the skeleton army, and. Um, initially frank and um hazel forget about him just a little bit and um decide to take alcyonius to canada they use arian to take alcyonius to canada in order to break the rule that technically because alcyonius tells the trio that he can't they can't kill him in alaska they take him to canada where he can be technically killed so the uh so basically um and then frank also finds out that his superpower is shapeshifting so he shapeshifts into an elephant and you know knocks out knocks uh alcyonius flat out and then they are hurrying back to hubbard glacier with the warning that gaia warns them saying that they will never make it back to their camp in time because if we remember i believe uh polyboats is creating an army to attack Ju- uh, camp jupiter at on the feast of fortuna which is today so we'll read chapter 48 to see how exactly they're gonna re if they're gonna reach back to camp in time before polyboat's army comes and destroys the camp or attempts to destroy the camp so now we're gonna read chapter 48 frank percy was waiting for them he looked mad he stood at the edge of the glacier leaning on the staff with the golden eagle gazing down at the wreckage he caused Several hundred acres of newly opened water dotted with icebergs and flotsam from the ruined camp. The only remains on the glacier were at the main gates, which listed sideways at a t- and a tattered blue banner lying over a p- pillow pile of snow bricks. When they ran up to him, Percy said, Hey, 
like they were just meeting for lunch or something. You're alive, Frank marveled. Percy frowned. To fall? That was nothing. I fell twice that far from the St. Louis Arch. You did what? Hazel asked. Never mind. The important thing was, I didn't drown. So the prophecy was incomplete, Hazel grinned. It probably said something like, the son of Neptune will drown a whole bunch of ghosts. Percy shrugged. He was still looking at Frank like he was miffed. I got a bone to pick with you, Zhang. You can turn into an eagle and a bear and an elephant, Hazel said proudly. An elephant. Percy shook his head in disbelief. That's your family gift? You can change shape? Frank shuffled his feet. Um, yeah. Sorry about this pronunciation. Parasilomenus, my ancestor, the Argonaut. He could do that. He passed down the ability. And he got that gift from Poseidon. Percy said, that's completely unfair. I can't turn into animals. Frank stared at him. Unfair? You can breathe underwater and blow up glaciers and summon freaking hurricanes. And it's unfair that I can be an elephant? Percy considered. Okay, I guess you got a point. But next time I say you're totally beast, just shut up, Frank said. Please. Percy cracked a smile. If you guys are done, Hazel said, we need to go. Camp Jupiter's under attack. They could use that gold eagle. Percy nodded. One thing first, though. Hazel, there's about a ton of imperial coal, gold weapons, and armor at the bottom of the bay now. Plus a really nice chariot. I'm betting that stuff could come in handy. It took them a long time. Too long. But they all knew those weapons could make the difference between victory and defeat if they got them back into camp in time. Hazel used her abilities to levitate some items from the bottom of the sea. Frank swam down and brought up some more. Even Frank helped by, by turning into a seal, which was kind of cool. Though Percy claimed his breath smelled like fish. It took all three of them to raise the chariot, but finally they managed to haul everything ashore to a black sand beach near the base of the glacier. They couldn't fit everything in the chariot, but they used Frank's rope to strap down most of the gold weapons and the best pieces of armor. It looks like Santa's sleigh, Frank said. Can Arian even pull that much? Arian huffed. Hazel, Percy said, I'm seriously going to wash your horse's mouth with soap. He says, yes, he can pull it, but he needs food. Hazel picked up an old Roman dagger, a Puggio. It was bent and dull, so it wouldn't be much good in a fight, but it looked like solid imperial gold. Here you go, Arian, she said. High performance fuel. The horse took the dagger in his teeth and chewed it like an apple. Frank made a silent oath never to put his hand near that horse's mouth. I'm not doubting Arian's strength, he said carefully. But will the chariot hold up? The last one, this one has imperial gold wheels and axle. Percy said, it should hold. If not, Hazel said, this is going to be a short trip, but we're out of time. Come on. Frank and Percy climbed onto the chariot. Hazel swung upon Arian's back. Giddy up, she yelled. The horse's sonic boom echoed across the bay. They sped south, avalanches tumbling down the mountains as they passed. And that's the end of chapter 48. A pretty short chapter, I must say, but we still were able to get Percy's reaction. And and obviously, it's a very... I'm very glad that Percy came out alive 
And although it did say in the prophecy that the son of Neptune shot, would drown, I'm wondering if it's possibly um, referring to a distant son of Neptune, technically. Um, there are those possibilities. And hopefully, no, I don't mean Tyson or any other. Um, but maybe it might be one of the uh, possibilities of it being a monster. Because technically, I do believe Cyclops are sons of Poseidon. So it could be that one of the monsters on Gaia's ar- in Gaia's army could drown. Because it doesn't technically have to be Percy. Because there are other sons of Neptune slash Poseidon. So we'll have to see when we read chapter 49. If they reach to the camp back in time. And we'll see how they will fare against the giant army of Polyboats. And possibly Gaia. So now, so after the break, we'll read chapter 49, and until then, see ya. And we're back from the non-existent ads, and now we're going to read chapter 49, Percy. Four hours. That's how long it took the fastest horse on the planet to get from Alaska to San Francisco Bay, heading straight over the water down the northwest coast. That's also how long it took for Percy's memory to return return completely. The process had started in Portland when he had drunk the Gorgon's blood, but his past life had still been maddeningly fuzzy. Now, as they headed back into the Olympian gods' territory, Percy remembered everything. The war with Kronos, his 16th birthday at Camp Half-Blood, his trainer Chiron, the centaur, his best friend Grover, his brother Tyson, and most of all, Annabeth. Two great months of dating. And then, boom. He'd been abducted by the alien known as Hera. Or Juno. Whatever. Eight months of his life stolen. Next time Percy saw the Queen of Olympus, he was definitely going to give her a goddess-sized slap upside the head. His friends and family must be going out of their minds. If Camp Jupiter was in such bad trouble, he could only guess what Camp Half-Blood must be facing without him. Even worse... Saving both camps would only be the beginning. According to Alcyonius, the real war would happen far away, in the homeland of the gods. The giants intended to attack the original Mount Olympus and destroy the gods forever. Percy knew that giants couldn't die unless demigods and gods fought them together. Nico had told him that. Annabeth had mentioned it too, back in August, when she'd speculated that the giants might be part of the new great prophecy what the Romans called the Prophecy of the Seven. That was the downside of dating the smartest girl at camp. You learn stuff. He understood Juno's plan. Unite the Roman and Greek demigods to create an elite team of heroes, then somehow convince the gods to fight alongside them. But first, they had to save Camp Jupiter. The coastline began to look familiar. They ra- raced past the Mendocino Lighthouse, Shortly after, Mount Tam and marine headlands loomed out of the fog. Arian shot straight under the Golden Gate Bridge into San Francisco Bay. They tore through Berkeley and into the Oakland Hills when they reached the hilltop above the Caldecott Tunnel. Arian shuddered like a broken car and came to a stop, his chest heaving. Hazel patted his sides lovingly. You did great, Arian. The horse was too tired even to cuss. Of course I did, Gray. What did you expect? Percy and Frank jumped off the chariot. Percy wished there had been comfortable seats or an in-flight meal. 
His legs were wobbly. His joints were so stiff he could barely walk. If he went into battle like this, the enemy would call him Old Man Jackson. Frank didn't look much better. He hobbled to the top of the hill and peered down at the camp. Guys, you need to see this. When Percy and Fred Hazel joined him, Percy's heart sank. The battle had begun, and it wasn't going well. The 12th Legion arrayed on the field of Mars, trying to protect the city. Scorpions fired into the ranks of the Earthborn. Hannibal the Elephant plowed down monsters right and left, but the defenders were badly outnumbered. On her Pegasus Scipio, Reyna flew around the giant polyboats, trying to keep him occupied. The layers had formed shimmering purple lines against a mob of black, vaporous shades in ancient armor. Veteran demigods from the city had joined the battle and were pushing their shield wall against an onslaught of wild centaurs. Giant eagles circled the battlefield, doing aerial combat with two snake-haired ladies in green bargain mark vests, Steno and Uriel. The Legion itself was taking the brunt of the attack, but their formation was breaking. Each cohort was an island in a sea of enemies. The Cyclops' siege was shot, tower shot, glowing, glowing green cannonballs into the city, blasting craters in the form, reducing houses to ruins. As Percy watched, a cannonball hit the Senate house and the dome partially collapsed. We're too late, Hazel said. No, Percy said. They're still fighting. We, we can do this. Where's Lupa? Frank asked, desperation creeping into his voice. She and the wolves, they should be here. Percy thought about his time, his time with the wolf goddess. He'd come to respect her teachings, but he'd also learned that wolves had limits. They weren't frontline fighters. They only attacked when they had vastly superior numbers, and usually under the cover of darkness. Besides, Lupa's first rule was self-sufficiency. She would help her children as much as, as much as she could, train them to fight, but in the end, they were either predator or prey. Romans had to fight for themselves. They had to prove their worth or die. That was Lupa's way. She did what she could, Percy said. She slowed down the army on its way south. Now it's up to us. We've got to get the gold eagle and these weapons to the legion. But Arian is out of steam, Hazel said. We can't haul this stuff ourselves. Maybe we don't have to. Percy scanned the hilltops. If Tyson had gotten his dream message in Vancouver, help might be close. He whistled as loud as he could. A good New York cab whistle that would have been hard all the way from Times Square to Central Park. Shadows rippled in the trees. A huge black shape bounded out of nowhere. A mastiff the size of an SUV with a cyclops and a harpy on her back. Hellhound! Frank scrambled backward. It's okay, Percy said. These are friends. Brother! Tyson climbed off and ran toward Percy. Percy tried to brace himself, but it was no good. Tyson slammed into him and smothered him in a hug. For a few seconds, Percy could only see black spots and lots of flannel. Then Tyson let go and laughed with delight, looking Percy over with that massive baby brown eye. You're not dead, he said. I like it when you're not dead. Ella fluttered to the ground and began preening her feathers. Ella found a dog, she announced. A large dog. And a cyclops. Was she blushing? Before Percy could decide, his black mastiff pounced on him, Luke knocking Mer Percy to the ground and barking so loudly that even Arian backed up. 
Hey, Mrs. O'Leary, Percy said. Yeah, I love you too, girl. Good dog. Hazel made a squeaking sound. You have a hellhound named Mrs. O'Leary? Long story. Percy managed to get to his feet and wipe off the dog slopper. You can ask your brother. His voice wavered when he saw Hazel's expression. He'd almost forgotten that Nico D'Angelo was missing. Hazel had told him about what Thanatos had said about searching for the doors of death in Rome. And Percy was anxious to find Nico for his own reasons. To wring the kid's neck for having pretended he didn't know Percy when he first came to camp. Still, he was Hazel's brother and finding him was a conversation for another time. Sorry, he said. But yeah, this is my dog, Mrs. O'Leary. Tyson, these are my friends, Frank and Hazel. Percy turned to Ella, who was counting all the barbs in one of her feathers. Are you okay? He asked. We were worried about you. Ella is not strong, she said. Cyclops are strong. Tyson found Ella. Tyson took care of Ella. Percy raised his eyebrows. Ella was blushing. Tyson, he said, you big charmer, you. Tyson turned the same color as Ella's plumage. Um, no? He leaned down and whispered nervously, loud enough for all the others to hear. She is pretty. Frank tapped his head like he was afraid his brain had short-circuited. Anyway, there's this battle happening. Right, Percy agreed. Tyson, where's Annabeth? Is any other help coming? Tyson pouted. His big brown eye got misty. The big ship is not ready. Leo says tomorrow, maybe two days. Then they'll come. We don't have two minutes, Percy said. Okay, here's the plan. As quickly as possible, he pointed out which were the good guys and were the bad guys on the battlefield. Tyson was alarmed to learn that bad Cyclops and bad Centaurs were in the Giant's army. I I have to hit Pony Men? Just scare them any just scare them away, Percy promised. Um, Percy? Frank looked at Tyson with trepidation. I just don't want our friend here getting hurt. Is Tyson a fighter? Percy smiled. Is he a fighter? Frank, you're looking at General Tyson of the Cyclops Army. And by the way, Tyson, Frank is a descendant of Poseidon. Brother! Tyson crushed Frank in a hug. Percy stifled a laugh. Actually, he's more like a great, great... Oh, never mind. Yeah, he's your brother. Thanks. Frank mumbled through a mouthful of flannel. But if the lesion mistakes Tyson for an enemy... I've got it. Hazel ran to the chariot and dug out the biggest Roman helmet she could find plus an old Ram Roman banner embroidered with SPQR. She handed them to Tyson. Put this on, big guy. Then our friends will know you're on our team. Yay, Tyson said. I'm on your team. The helmet was ridiculously small, and he put the cape on backward like the SPQR baby bib. It'll do, Front Percy said. Ella, just stay here. Stay safe. Safe, Ella repeated. Ella likes being safe. Safety in numbers. Safety deposit boxes. Ella will go with Tyson. What? Percy said. Oh, fine. Whatever. Just don't get hurt. And Mrs. O'Leary? How do you feel about pulling a chariot? That's the end of chapter 49. I'm so glad that Percy and Tyson were able to reunite. I feel like that was the most heartwarming bond and conversation we have seen in a lot of chapters probably the first in this book but i'm very glad that percy was able to regain all of his memories and i feel that him being able to regain his memories because of the gorgon's blood that really helped him a lot 
and I feel that he now knows what is happening much more quicker than how Jason had realized, and I feel that that's gonna help him be able to save both Camp Jupiter and Camp Half-Blood, and be able to reunite the two of them, so after uh so next week we'll read chapter 50 and we're gonna see how this battle is gonna go down and hopefully with the help of mrs o'leary and tyson um and frank's shape-shifting abilities we'll be able to get a uh, they'll be able to get stand a chance against the giant army so next week we'll read chapters 50 to 51 um i do apologize for uploading this late i um had some busy stuff to do this um weekend so i wasn't able to upload on time um, I hope you guys will forgive me for that, but, um, yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed this chapter, and if you really enjoy this, if you really like this podcast and you want to support it, my Patreon link is located in the description of my podcast, so if you would like to show some love, show some support, then, um, I'd really appreciate that. So, thank you guys for listening to this episode, and until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom. <laughs>